0: Here we go. Okay, so uh, tonight we're carrying on sort of in our Food Sunday series. Um, So we've done Food Sunday differently. We actually get, I mean, Coffee Sunday. Sunday. We'll call it Coffee Sunday. Um, And so as we do, every month we take a break from the normal series we're doing and look at various encounters with Jesus that we see throughout the Gospel of John. So tonight we'll be reading from uh, John chapter 6. Um, we'll kind of be jumping about in, in it, but I'm going to read a few verses from it that I think are kind of the that everything else in the passage hinges on. So um, it's John chapter 6, verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the lake saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me not because you saw signs, But because you ate your fill of the loaves, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. So we'll stop reading there, but we'll jump about a little bit in that passage, but also in all of John 6. So if you have a Bible, um, that will be very helpful, um, because there just wasn't room to put all of John 6 on there, because it's 66 verses or something like that. So... Tonight, we, I, I want to talk about food. So again, um, today would have usually been our food Sunday, um, but we're having coffee Sunday. Um, so uh, just picture food being here. Um, the talk hinged on food being here, but let's imagine it. And So food is something that Jesus talks about a lot, um, especially here, but throughout the Gospels, uh, throughout the whole Bible actually. Food seems to be something that God uses as an illustration or uses as a sign to point to something much bigger. And there's lots of reasons for this. Um, in, in different passages, you'll see different reasons why God does this. But I think two, that, two reasons that Jesus talks about food are, first, that food is necessary. Obviously, humans can't survive for very long without food and drink before scary symptoms start appearing and eventually a human who is not fed and who does not drink will eventually die. Food is necessary to life. The second reason is that food creates community. Have you ever realized that at every celebration there's always food? At weddings, at funerals, at graduations, at... Um, on, on the first night when we launched Foundation Church, we had food. Every every big celebration, there is always food there. Um, last weekend, Susie and I were over at my sister's wedding. And um, just before the service started, they had hired a um, refrigerator truck to store all the food in it. And they drove it from my parents' house all the way to the venue, about 35 minutes away. And just before the service start, they realized... Um, they'd forgotten to bring the cable to plug it in. And so that would have meant after the service was finished, um, it would have had time to sort of warm up a little bit and gradually the food would have gone bad. And this was a disaster because obviously a wedding without food was, was, is just inimaginable, especially in France. But anywhere, anywhere you go, a, a wedding, a celebration without food is just not, just doesn't quite work. Um, someone drove back to get the cable came back and he'd missed the entire ceremony but um, there was food so everything was okay in the end but Jesus uses this illustration Jesus uses food he uses something just as important as food to make his point point. and his point is that there are two types of food that you can have there's temporary food and there's eternal food And the entire passage that we've just read focuses on eternal food, why it's important, and how you get it. So, first of all, we need to understand what this temporary food is that he talks about. And this is maybe where having John 6 open in front of you would be helpful. Because in the verses preceding what we read, in verses 1 to 13, it's the famous passage of Jesus feeding the 5,000. What happens? What he... He asks his disciples, well, what are you going to do about that? I mean, the disciples come to him and say, these people are hungry. You've been talking for ages. They need their food. What and Jesus says, well, okay, what are we going to do about it? And they say, oh, well, you know, we can't feed this amount of people. It'll take this amount of uh, wages. You know, we just don't have what we need. And eventually, the story, well, there's five loaves and two fish brought to him. And this feeds the 5,000 5, men. So it would have been... Probably at least 10,000, because they would have been there with their wives and children as well. So could be well above 10,000. And he feeds them so well that there are 12 baskets of leftovers. So Jesus brought these people together. He preached, he taught. And then he continues to, to, to create this community of people by feeding them with physical food. And as we go on in the passage, it's obvious that everyone is amazed at what he did. They declare him to be the prophet that they would heard about. If you read through the Old Testament, specifically Deuteronomy, Moses had promised the Israelites a prophet from God that would come. And they declare him to be the prophet from God. He is the one that we've been told about. He's the one that Moses told us about. And if you look at verse... 15. Jesus' reaction is quite strange to this. So we've got the feeding of the 5,000. We have the reaction. They say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus doesn't have the reaction we would expect. We would expect him to say, yeah, he got it right. I am that prophet because he was. He is. But verse 15 says, perceiving then that they, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain." by himself. Again, you would think his reaction would be, yeah, you're spot on. You've got it right. You've seen what I did. You've come to this conclusion. I am that prophet. I am that, I am the king. You've got it right. But actually what he sees is that they don't actually get what's happening at all. They don't get that he is not going to be a king or a prophet the way that they want him to be. You see, he had just fed them physical food. He had just given them enough food to eat and to be full. And so what they want is to make him king on their own terms. They, they think, and we'll see this more clearly as we go on, they think, wow, th- this guy has made our situation, our present situation a lot better. Maybe if we made him king, he could kind of deal with the Romans. He could deal with all of our enemies and make this present life right now a lot better. He could feed us again. He could do that trick again. Maybe I would never have to work again because he seems to know how to get food, make food out of nothing or out of very little. So he could be a useful guy to come to have about. But Jesus didn't come to them and he doesn't come to us to give handouts. They see him as useful. They see him as someone who can feed them physical food and make their temporary situation better. So they see him as useful, but they do not see him as sufficient and delightful. They want his stuff. They want what he can give them, but they don't really care whether it's him or if if it came from anyone else. If some other person managed to sort of create food out of five loaves. They, they they would take him as well. It, it doesn't matter who it is. They want the stuff that he can give. I think it's something that you hear a lot at weddings when um, the, the speeches happen. You, you hear uh, maybe the bride or the, the groom make an emotional speech to their spouse and at first it sounds sweet but then you kind of think about what they're saying and the entire speech will be i love you because you do these things for me or because you make me feel this way or because you give these things to me i love you because you make me feel important i love you because you give me the life that i've always wanted it sounds sweet but actually if you think about it all of all of that is saying i want the stuff that you can give me but you whether it's you or someone else doesn't it doesn't matter as much so Jesus withdraws from them because he sees that's what's going on. They don't want him. They don't see him as delightful and as sufficient. If he hadn't given them that food, they wouldn't have chased after him as we see that they will in the next few verses. And if we, so if we skip on, if we skip down to verse 22, that's exactly what they do. They hunt him down. And one thing is they, they know he's managed to make it across the sea, in a miraculous way. So we, we, we skip over a, a bit here, um, which would be a whole sermon in itself. The bit of Jesus walking on the water. So this is how he got to the other side. And they know that that's how it happened. They saw that the disciples got in a boat and got to the other side. Je- they know that Jesus didn't get in with them. They know that there weren't any other boats for him to go across in. So they know that, again, he has done something miraculous. And their wrong motivation is displayed in the question that they ask him. They don't come to him and say, that was amazing, oh, uh, how, how did you do that? They don't say, how did you get here? They say, when did you get here? Not how, not that's incredible, but when? You know, wh- wh- why did you walk away? Wh- when did you get here? We, we wanna be with you, we, we wanna see you do some more of these tricks. And Jesus reveals their heart right there. He says, you're not seeking me because um, you saw signs. You're seeking me because you at your fill and you want more. On Friday night, Susie and I, um, illustrations will involve Susie a lot because we don't have kids yet. When we have kids, it'll be them. Um, but uh, it's Susie for the moment. So Friday night, Susie and I celebrated six months um, of being married. And uh, we went out for dinner and we ate a lot of food, as you do. Again, food, just it's the only way to celebrate. And um, we came home and I was absolutely full and couldn't imagine eating anything else. And in my mind, I was thinking, that's me set for a month. I'll never eat another thing. And of course, I woke up the next day and thought, "Mm, I'm really ready for breakfast. I'm going to have a massive breakfast. And this just illustrates exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, you're chasing after me because you've eaten your fill, but you just want more. That didn't fill you up. That didn't fill you up at all. And so often I think we chase after Jesus for the things that he can give us. We treat him as useful to fill our temporary desires. We want Jesus to, um, we, we like Jesus and we praise Jesus if um, he gets us the job that we want. We like Jesus if he gets us the husband or wife we want. We like him when we achieve our life goals. He's useful because he fills our temporary need. Well, our temporary desires, not needs. And what that actually shows is that there is a hunger in us that we desperately want to go away. We want this hunger to go away. And Jesus is saying, you don't understand what that hunger is. You think that hunger is just for temporary food. You think that hunger is just, if you get that new job, if you get that husband or wife, if you get that new home, if you get those children, all of these things, you think that that's the hunger that you have. And Jesus is saying, that is not it. He says, this temporary food will not satisfy you. It will leave you empty and hungry and you will chase after the next thing. But Jesus points to what will satisfy that hunger. If we move on, he tells us exactly what this eternal food is. In verse 27, Jesus says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. You see the miracle was not the point. Feeding 5000 people was not actually his end goal. That food is not what they need. That food isn't what we need. More miracles is not actually what they need. That's why he left because he knew they're just going to want more miracles. They're just going to want me to do more fancy tricks. What he's saying is you need food that endures forever. Food that will not just help you survive, but will bring you eternal life. Food that doesn't just bring people together for a celebration, but food that creates an eternal, everlasting community. That's that's distracting. And in verse, if we, if we carry on, they are confused by what he has just said. He's just told them, you don't need that food that you think you need. You need food that endures forever. And they say, okay, well, what sign are you going to do to, to prove it to us? What sign are you going to do to, to prove that you're who you say you are? And right there, Jesus proves exactly what he had said would happen. They want more signs, more miracles. They want more temporary food, and they bring up a bit of their of the history of the Israelites. They they bring up the history of their forefathers by saying, "Well, God gave our people, God gave our fathers bread from heaven. What are you going to give us?" First of all, they've completely forgotten what happened a few, you know, maybe a matter of hours ago. I mean don't know what the timeline is, but they, it's the same crowd. They're already saying, well, what sign are you going to give? If I was Jesus, I'd say, well, I mean, I fed 5,000 people and walked across water. I mean, if, you don't, if that doesn't satisfy you, I don't know what will. But they say, well, our forefathers ate bread from heaven. What are you going to give us? And again, Jesus shows... That's not the point. Bread is not the point. You can kind of feel the desperation in them. They they want something. They want real, true satisfaction. They want true satisfaction for this hunger that keeps coming back, keeps gnawing at them. And Jesus gives them exactly what they need. Not what they want. They want They want more miracles. But he gives them exactly what they need. In verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's the big turning point. He says, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you keep getting hungry, you keep getting thirsty. Well, here I am. I will take away your hunger forever. I will take away your thirst forever forever? You want satisfaction? You want peace? You want meaning to life? You want joy? You want to experience unconditional love? You want to experience freedom from rejection? Well, here I am. See, Christianity agrees with the world that life is about being joyful. I think most people would agree that you you live life to have meaning and to be joyful. You you do what makes you happy. You find what that is. You find what brings you the most joy, and you do that. And Christianity completely agrees with that. Jesus says, "Yeah, absolutely." I, I, this passage is saying, "I completely agree that that's what life is about. That's why." Jesus says, that's why I created you. I created you to be the most joyful people there are. But what Christianity does not agree with is where that's found. Temporary food does not work because you always want more. The job that you get will end up giving you miserable days and you'll want something else the wife or husband you're given will make you miserable and you'll want someone else. That's not an illustration (laughs) about Susie. Yet. (laughs) The children God gives you will, will make you frustrated and so on and so on. Whatever it is that you fill that void with, eventually we'll just do it again. So we agree, Christianity agrees with the world that life is about being the most joyful you can be, but it doesn't agree with where that's found. Because Jesus never promises us temporary food. He never promises to fill our temporary desires. Jesus never promises that you'll be healthy. Jesus never promises that you will be wealthy. Jesus never promises you a job. Jesus never promises you marriage. Jesus never promises you anything like that. What he does is he promises you himself. He promises an endless source of life and satisfaction in himself. And what's more is he promises that that will never go away. In verse 37 that we read earlier, it says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Are you dissatisfied? Do you fear rejection? Do you fear that you don't have any meaning? Well, Jesus does away with this for good. He provides Eternal life. He provides eternal community. He provides eternal security. And He promises that whoever comes to Him, He will never reject. What Jesus has been telling them is that the point of the miracles that He's been doing, the point of this temporary food, is to point to Him. If we go on, um, I won't read the verses, but um, you can read them later on. In verses 48 to 51, he, he talks a bit more. He kind of repeats what he's been saying, and he talks a bit more about the bread from heaven that the Israelites were given. And he says, well, you want that bread, but they ate it, and they died. That wasn't the point. What he's saying is, it's, it's, it's all pointing to me. It was all pointing to him, the whole time he says the bread that God gives you from heaven is me everything that he gives us today is to point to him so every time we eat and drink he is saying you see how you're enjoying that you, do you see how you're enjoying that food how you're enjoying that drink well that's pointing to me the eternal bread from heaven Every time we see physical healing here, now, he's saying, I'm, one day I'm gonna do that, but on an, eternal, in, on an infinitely bigger scale, I will bring eternal healing. You see, Jesus is not primarily interested in our temporary desires and needs. He's not primarily here to make us comfortable He is here to bring true, eternal satisfaction and security. John Piper um, puts it this way. He says, Jesus Christ did not come into the world to assist you in meeting desires you already had before you knew him. He came into the world to change your desires so that he is the main one. Do you feel restless dissatisfied rejected are you tired of working to satisfy temporary desires only to realize they leave you wanting more well jesus is saying come to me in him there is always more he is that eternal meal if you like there is always more there is always more joy and satisfaction And love to be found in him. So as we kind of come to a close. Jesus has said this is what temporary food is. The goal of it is to point to me. I'm the eternal food. And that's great but how do we actually get it? How do we actually get this food that he's talking about? Well... Jesus doesn't say, okay, do you you want this food? Well, then come find me. Come find me. See, in verse 44, again, sorry, we're we're jumping about a lot, but in verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. You see, Scripture, in a sense, is the story of God, of the God who comes down and finds His people. Not the story of the people of God who come find Him. And that's key to realizing how we get this eternal satisfaction that is found in Him. He draws us. He creates that desire in us. You see, before we know God, before we have any desire for him, nothing in us desires him before he changes that. We're born with desires that are bent away from him. Colossians 1 tells us, before we knew him, we were hostile in mind. It's God himself that creates that desire in us for food that will last forever. It's God who creates the desire in us for him. So do we do nothing then? Do we just kind of let go and let God? He'll create the desire in us. He'll do everything. I can just sit back and wait. and I'll, I might wake up one day and that desire will be there and God's done his thing. Well, absolutely not, because that is not what Jesus tells us to do in this passage. In verse 29, he tells us clearly what to do? See, they want to know, the people want to know, okay, well then what do we need to do to be doing the works of God? And in verse 29, he gives a bit of a, an odd answer. You would expect Jesus to say something like, well, serve the poor, obey the commandments, seek justice, live a moral life. And Jesus says, "This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent." What's the work of God? What does he ultimately want from us? To believe in him, to trust that he is truly sufficient, to confess that every temporary fix that we have chased that we have chased after has left us empty, anxious and wanting more. He says, trust me, trust Jesus is the one who is endless joy and satisfaction, who is endless life, who is the one who will feed us forever with food that is beyond what we can imagine. He repeats again and again in this passage, the bread that he gives is himself. And in verse 51 He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And so why should we trust what he's saying? Well, the reason is, as we move on in the book of John, we see that all the miracles and signs, all of these encounters with Jesus that we've already heard of and that we'll hear of as we do Food Sunday Uh, next time appointing yes to who he is but also to what he came to do the way that he provides the eternal bread of life eternal satisfaction and joy is in his own death he says his body like bread is going to be broken His blood, like wine, will be poured out. And he says, this is for you. This is how I give you myself for eternity. By dying, I am providing eternal life, eternal food and drink that will never, ever perish. And we know this to be true because three days later, his blood began to flow again, He breathed in and out. He was alive and is alive and will be forever. This is the bread that will never perish. Jesus Christ himself. He didn't come to be useful for our desires. He came to be our utmost desire. And he promises that that desire will be filled. We get him perfect joy and satisfaction in nothing else but him. Let's pray.